Moving to Live is a podcast about movement and exercise. We bring you interviews with professionals in the movement and exercise field. The goal is to provide information for other professionals and also amateur movement aficionados, people who understand that movement is part of what makes life complete. Some of the people we interview you will have heard of. They're well known in and outside of the movement and exercise profession. Others you may not have heard of, but they have a great deal of knowledge to share. Many people doing the best work spend their time working with people, not working on their social media presence. We're going to give you a chance to learn from some of these talented and knowledgeable individuals, and we're going to learn along with you. Moving to Live podcasts are going to be short. Each interview will be long enough to impart usable information, but short enough to be able to be consumed in a single bout, during your workout, commute, or even during dinner prep. We all like long-form interviews, but time is valuable. Moving to Live wants to give you the option to learn and be entertained without needing to commit 60 minutes at a time for an interview. Give Moving to Live a listen. Check out our sister podcast, FitLab PGH, which highlights people, businesses, events, and activities in the Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania area that make movement a priority. Moving to Live would love to hear from you. Want to connect with us or have an idea for somebody you think we ought to interview? Drop us an email, mov2liv at gmail.com, or connect with us on Instagram and Twitter, both underscore mov2liv. We're excited to bring you these interviews, and we think you'll enjoy each and every one that we bring you. Moving to Live is back with another podcast episode. As you heard in the intro, we are for movement and exercise professionals and amateur aficionados. We have the ethos along with our sister podcast, FitLab Pittsburgh, movement, part of what makes your life complete. I'm really excited about today's guest. She comes to us all the way from Singapore. She was recommended to me by Eric Malzone. If you have not checked out his podcast, The Fitness Blitz, you want to check that out too. He's got a really great take on fitness and interviews some really interesting people. Today's guest is an influencer, an athlete, a marketer, and a whole bunch of other stuff that she's going to tell us about. She is Natalie Dow. Natalie, thank you for sitting down at what for you is 7 o'clock in the morning to talk to Moving to Live. Thank you very much for having me. As people who listen to Moving to Live know, the first part of our interview, we find out your story. But before we find that out, I think the interesting part is why I want to interview you for Moving to Live. So if you meet somebody on the streets of Singapore or you hop on a plane and go someplace and they ask you what you do, what's your, in a positive way, not a negative way, can spiel, this is what I do. Yeah, and, and it's a work in progress and I'm trying to perfect it. Someone said to me the other day, I think you just have to call yourself a health and fitness entrepreneur, um, which I think probably does sum it up. Uh, and, and then you can be anything you want to be under that. Uh, so I think that would be the easiest, the easiest thing to say. And we'll talk about this more in the second part of the episode, but you've got a business. You've actually got your own app. You're the second person that I've interviewed in two weeks who has their own app. So I'm interested in talking about that. But where are you from originally and how did you get into the fitness? So let's start where you're from originally. Yeah. So Australian. Um, I have been in Singapore for 15 years. I moved up here originally for two years with a corporate job. I was working with global consulting firms. Uh, the usual, well, not nine to five, much longer hours uh, back then and loved it so much that I didn't leave. So this is home now. 
And growing up in Australia, I know I'm always interested when I interview people for both podcasts of finding out what their movement background is. There are some people who mom and dad tell them to get the heck out of the house and go play. And other people find movement on a personal basis at later point in life. Either they're in a corporate job and recognize they don't feel good. Or I found a lot of people, they go to college and they really enjoy that college experience and then say, oh, I need to do something. So how long have you been moving? Were you a mover as a child? Yes, absolutely. Uh, was always taken to watch my parents play sport. Uh, we grew up playing sport our whole lives as long as I can remember. So it was ingrained in us um, from a very early age, uh, whether that was just to keep my parents sane and get us out of the house or, uh, or you know, to make us healthy, you know. And I think for me, um, having a, a background, you know, my brother does Ironman triathlons. Um, my dad is 72, about to go for his black belt in karate. So we're a very, uh, you know, we've always been an active family. So it's certainly in my DNA. And was there a sport or activity that you really focused on when you were growing up? Yes. Uh, uh, even though I'm not that tall, it was basketball, uh, was, you know, was my my sport at that time. And then I think like a lot of kids, you know, played a lot of it at a high level up until the end of high school, um, and then it just dwindled away, and I sort of didn't follow it up much after that, just a bit of social basketball. I'm always curious when people have played one sport or focused on sports when they're growing up, how they realized it was over. I was a basketball player when I was a kid, and I always kind of thought, it's like, oh, yeah, I can play at the next level. And then I had the opportunity to see really high-level high school basketball players play when I was about 15 years old. And I very quickly realized that there was no chance in hell that I was going to play any longer than high school because I just didn't have the skill to do that. And I don't remember being upset about it. I just remember seeing them and going, oh, wow, they're doing things that I can't do. So when was it that you, was it a conscious decision or what was it that made you decide my competitive basketball is over and I'm going to be more social basketball and other activities? Yeah, I think I was just you know, a bit sick of it. Some of my friends were going to the US to colleges on scholarships. That wasn't something that I'd ever sort of thought about doing. Uh, in hindsight, I wish I had. Um, so I was just more focused on what's my next thing. I need to, you know, go to university, study, um, and get a job. So I, I guess the, the playtime almost was over for me and I didn't think that basketball would be a career where I would be earning money from um, longer term. So I, I guess I sort of grew up, you know, hit 18 and went, I need to be a bit more serious. And you go to the university. What do you major in in the university? I did business. I was um, an auditor uh, when, in my first job as an accountant and I hated it. Uh, so it was, what do I study and, and uh, yeah, business, which in hindsight is a very good background to have as always. And I know a lot of people who maybe don't immediately start their fitness careers at 18. The story you commonly hear, I was doing fill in your favorite job and I hated it and had to get out of it. <laughs> so you're not, you're not unique in that. No, not at all. And then sort of moved into marketing and, and stayed in that for a bit longer. I'm curious, in the university, how active were you? Did you really enjoy the college experience or were you somebody who was active also or how did that work? Yeah, so I think, you know, uh, colleges in Australia are a little bit different than the US. So 
it's not, you know, people aren't living on campus as much um, and you're sort of just going home at the end of the day after your lessons. So for me, no, I guess that was probably the time in my life where I was, and this is showing my age, I was probably, you know, off to the gym doing some Reebok step aerobics back in the time um, uh, and a bit of swimming, but that was, it was me just finding what that exercise was, um, but nothing too serious, just, uh, you know, just making sure I was moving and staying healthy at that time. But, you know, I guess it was the aerobics boom, so, so off to the gym doing aerobics classes. I have to ask, and I'll be dating myself also, did you have a pair of pink Reeboks? Um, I did, and I had leg warmers. I had the whole kit. Yeah, so, and it's yeah. You and, you and I are of a similar generation, then. Yes. I, I yeah. remember having the black Reebok as a male. <laughs> and, and I'm, you know, I'm sponsored by Reebok now, and they're all making a comeback. I wish I had kept all my old stuff there. <laughs> they would, they would probably be in the Reebok museum. Yes. <laughs> So you graduate from college, you are, I think what we could term a recreational athlete, you're doing it for stress relief or enjoyment. Uh, and it's nice to see that somebody who played a fairly high level of basketball didn't get burned out of movement. So many kids when they're active and not forced, but play at the, uh, one sport often become sick and don't move. But you graduate from university. What was your movement practice like when you had the job as an auditor and the marketing jobs where you would have to, I know, work? quote unquote, 40 hours plus, plus, plus. Yeah. So I think, you know, in your twenties, you go through a, well, I went through a stage of maybe not moving as much and, and, um, you know, partying a lot or just working hard and then came out the other side of that and, and started running a lot more. Um, and I was traveling, so it, it didn't take long, you know, I'm pretty disciplined. So I, I would get up at 5am and run and head into the office or, you know, I'd be on a plane to the US a lot, but I would be up in that gym before I started a day of meetings or running the city streets. So I guess it was then that I decided running was the easier thing to do because I could do it anywhere. Um, and then, you know, a little bit of gym on the side of that, I guess. Um, but running is the thing that stuck. I guess I sort of found a, a love and I wasn't necessarily competing in races or anything. I was just doing it for, like you said, a bit of stress relief to keep, uh, you know, to keep your weight in check, to keep my body moving and just, just feel like I was doing something and being active. If you think back to when you were a basketball player, did you like running when you had to run for training or did you hate it? I, I didn't love it. Yeah, you know, and I think of school and doing cross country and things, and it's like I hated it. I'd do anything to get out of it. So it's so so weird that you you know reach adulthood and all of a sudden you're choosing to run every moment you can. I remember in my high school career playing soccer and basketball. If you did certain things, you would get out of running and being really excited when we got out of running. <laughs> and now my idea of the perfect day is to go in the woods and run in the woods with my dog. So <laughs> I think my coaches would be shocked. Yeah, it's yeah. I, maybe every kid experiences that. Um, yeah, so it's it's you know it it uh, yeah. It wasn't too. I guess I'm a late bloomer. I say when I when I'm thinking about really stepping up um, my movement practices as an adult. I actually uh, interviewed somebody 
earlier today for FitLab Pittsburgh, and she said when she grew up, was growing up, everything she did was athletic. She never thought of it as movement. It was for a competition. And it was only when she got older and her knees started to hurt and she started to feel the aches of pain and pains as she got older that she started to actually think about what she was doing and now has turned into a mover versus a competitive person. And I know a number of people that I've interviewed for Moving to Live have said one way or the other that they came from a competitive background. And as they get older, late 30s and older, they start to realize that they really like different activities for each person, but they like moving and their goal is longevity. So they may never hit that PR in the 5K or the 10K or the marathon or the Spartan race, but they want to continue to do that sort of thing as long as they possibly can. And that's the way they direct their workouts. Yeah, I think it is. It's, it's uh, you know, I do a lot of CrossFit um, and I'm never going to lift the heaviest in the gym and nor do I want to because then that would stop me running the next day. So I'll beat anyone in a ward, um, but I, you know, I'm never going to hit the, the ridiculous one, one rep max. And I'm curious, is that uh, intellig- uh, maturity, intelligence, that, that's a bad phrase, but what is it that prevents you from doing that? Because clearly you're quite a competitive person. You're successful in business. What is it that stops you from going in and saying, I know I can do this. I know I can lift more than the, these women yeah, I think, you know, it's, uh, and I was talking to someone about it yesterday. I think it's when it comes to that stuff, I don't have an ego. So I really, I really don't care. I hate being injured. I'm, you know, like a bear with a sore head if I can't go and run or do something. So for me around that, it's, it's knowing my body much better, I think, as I've got older and knowing, you know, I'll push, but knowing what that line is. And then, you know, pushing in the things that I know I, I can control a bit more or that I'm more comfortable doing. So, you know, when it comes to running or it comes to bodyweight exercises or doing something faster, faster and longer, um, then that's fine for me to do. But, you know, doing a 200-kilo deadlift is not going to do me any favours the next day. How do you deal with if you have a overly enthusiastic coach, maybe you're traveling and you go to a box that you're not familiar with and they see you clearly fit, clearly doing well on some of the activities and you're exhibiting what I would term intelligence by saying, yeah, I'm just going to kind of kick back a little bit on this and not really try to set a PR. And they're, they're one of those coaches who likes to shout. How do you respond to that? Yeah. You know, I think I'm 46. It's like, I can do what I want. (laughs) Um, yeah, I, I, you know, I, I tell them I, my joke is I'm always the, the queen of anything scaled. So I'd rather do that well um, and, yeah, and not be injured. So, I, you know, my coach is in my box now. No, they'll try and push me, but they'll only push me a certain, a certain way. Um, yeah. So clearly you've had a, a variety of movement experiences in your life. If you had to look back and there's one that you're most proud of or you think is the most unusual or interesting. And if somebody said, what's the one thing movement related that you've done in the past that you'll always remember, what would it be? Yeah, actually, you know what? And it's, it's exactly a year, a year ago this weekend coming. Um, so I have been to the last two Spartan World Championships 
um, in like Lake Tahoe and, uh, you know, as an elite racer. Um, and last year, uh, you know, there, it's always an interesting race because it's at altitude. Obviously, Singapore's at sea level. Uh, you know, you're swimming in zero degree water. You know, it's, uh, there, there's lots of different things. So mentally, it's a massive, massive challenge to get through it. And there was quite a big, uh, quite a lot of representatives from Asia across, you know, China, Japan, um, Taiwan, Hong Kong, Malaysia that went. Um, and I ended up coming across the line before all of them, male and female. Um, and obviously, you know, more than 20 years older than most of these people. So for me, that was probably, uh, you know, the, my greatest personal achievement, knowing that, you know, I still had it in me um, at that age and could just push through and get on with it, I think. The question I always follow that up with is, is that something you plan on doing again in the future? No. So after that, I, I thought that was a great time to exit the sport <laughs> at the top. Um, yeah, and I think that was always the plan was to go and, and do that and, and finish and move on to, to other things. Yeah. Kind of progressing on from that, is there a activity or movement that's on your list that maybe you haven't done yet, but it's like, I'm going to do this in the future. This is kind of a relatively long-term goal for me to do. Yeah, you know, it's it's interesting. I've competed a lot less this year in things. I'm, I'm actually going to a CrossFit competition in Indonesia this weekend, um, but I'm actually enjoying not competing so much. I, I put myself out there this year um, and decided I would try track. Um, so, you know, I like to give myself a challenge every year, and this year it was track. Um, after pulling hamstrings and calves and things, you know, getting used to that dynamic uh, running and changing the whole way I run, um, it was it was great, and I I loved it, and um, will still continue to do it. Didn't know what my distance was, so I'm turning up to run in these uh, races, you know, running, you know, four, eight, fifteens. Not sure what what distance it was going to be. So I think for me that was my big challenge this year is is out of comfort zone and and doing that. Um, I'm doing um, a Ragnar trail race for the first time at the end of October, which I'm super excited about um, as a team. So I'm really actually looking forward to that experience of doing something, you know, together with other people as a team that's maybe not as competitive. Mind you, you know, I think half my team have just come back from the CrossFit Games in the US. So um, whether they're runners or not is another thing. Um, but, yeah, just just exploring some different things because I think the fitness, um, there's so many things out there now that um, aren't the usual let's just go and do a 5K run. So I think there's opportunities to try different things to meet new people doing all of these different things as well and and keep exploring. We're talking to Natalie Dow. If you're following her on social media, at Rockstar Arms, we'll have extensive show notes. She's given us a pretty good background about how she started out in Australia, ended up in Singapore, started out as a basketball player, and I think we could say ended up as a multi-activity movement person. You mentioned that you started your professional career as an auditor, moved into marketing, 
And I think it would be fair to say that what you do now with movement is a form of marketing. You're marketing to make people move. How did you transition into being a movement or fitness entrepreneur? Yes, sure. So I, I you know, was a qualified PT for a long time, but never trained anyone except for myself. So that was something that I'd studied, you know, while I was in the corporate world. Um, and then about five, six years ago, um, a friend of mine, I helped her lose some weight. And, you know, we're t- I, and this will be in kilos, but it was about 50 kilos. So a lot. Over, over 100 pounds. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, and people were asking how she did it. And, and so, we, were, you know, we just, you know, decided to start a private Facebook group um, just to encourage other people to be healthy and to move. Um, so the only people that could join were, you know, friends of friends. So it, because it was a, a private space. Um, within three months, we had 5,000 people in that group. Um, and at, at that point, I went, oh, okay, <laughs> maybe I need to think about what this looks like for a business. Clearly, there's a need. Uh, people aren't getting what they want and they're wanting to be part of something um, and they need information. So at that point, I turned it into a website uh, where we would publish um, articles every day, but, you know, bite-sized ones that you can read in a couple of minutes um, across everything, health, fitness, sleep, mental wellness, um, have city guides, um, list all the events that's going on. So there was no excuse for people not to participate in activities because there was a one-stop shop almost. So the, that site, The Daddy Escape, um, is my, you know, other job. Uh, so I have full-time editors running that still and that's going and we do custom content for the government and for corporates. Um, so that was what that, that started with. And then I guess at the same time in conjunction was when all of my Spartan stuff started kicking off when I, you know, was taking running more seriously and winning races and doing things. So uh, the two sort of went tandem, hand in hand. And um, I guess from that time, I, I started building my personal profile around Asia as well. Um, and that's how it all, got, it all got started. So really a community group that grew into a career. Did you anticipate seven or eight years ago that you would be doing this? No, not at all. Yeah, I mean, I was in, I was working for, you know, the likes of the, you know, Accenture consulting firms. No, I didn't, I didn't think that, uh, that this is what I'd be doing. I always had an, obviously was active, had an interest, was competing in different things, but I uh, never thought it would be my career. We're talking with Natalie Dow. She is in Singapore. You can follow her on at Rockstar Arms. We'll have extensive show notes. She's given us a really good idea of her background and how she has transitioned into becoming a fitness entrepreneur. When we come back in two weeks, we want to focus more on that because I know for those of us in the United States, we can probably pick out Singapore on the map, but we have no idea of what it's like as far as how active people are compared to the U.S., compared to other countries. Natalie, I want to thank you for talking to Moving to Live, and I'm really interested in two weeks on learning more about what you actually do in the movement field. Thank you very much for having me.
Thanks for listening to the latest episode of Moving to Live. Make sure you check out the show notes for contact information for our latest guest, as well as links about all the things we talked about. Intro and exit music is Traveling Light by Jason Shaw. You can subscribe to Moving to Live on Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, and Google Play, and be notified about new episode releases. Have any questions, comments, or suggestions? Drop us an email, mov2liv at gmail.com. Connect with us on Twitter or Instagram, both underscore mov2liv. Please tell your friends about Moving to Live. It's a go-to place for information for movement and exercise professionals and amateur aficionados who understand that movement is part of what makes your life complete. Until next week, keep on moving.